DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. PK, uh, you brought this up earlier this morning. Jeff Grimes was on with us, BYU offensive coordinator. He commented on it. Uh, how fun is it to see Kalani Sataki showing so much enthusiasm on the sidelines? And we got a little bit of response from that. And uh, <laughs> someone's got to take a shot at Bronco. <laughs> Hasn't he been gone long enough? Can people let that go? Bronco? Yeah, no, apparently no, no. not is the answer. I'm, no, because yeah. he was an unusual guy. He didn't fit the mold. He's an excellent football coach. No, There's no question about it. Excellent football coach. Uh, but he was not the the standard. He's, he's a different guy. He's just a little different that way. John Gray posts, I like it way, way better than that non-enthusiast. What's his name? Mendenhall? <laughs> yeah. I do only remember him once showing emotion. And I've since seen him do it in a clip from a Virginia game. I wasn't watching when it happened, but I saw the clip later. And there was a goal line stand at Boise State, and he went berserk. It's the greatest goal line stand in the history of goal line stands. He was running up and down the sideline, windmilling his arms. He was pumped. First goal from the one. He was a defensive coordinator before he was a head coach. So the defense... Coming up big at the goal line, no, he just he just loved it, and he had a similar celebration. I can't remember what happened in the game, but it whatever it was clinched Virginia's win over Virginia Tech last year, which I think was their ninth win of the year, and sent them to the ACC. First title time they beat him in a number of years, yeah. Right, they'd lost the rivalry game, so they win their rivalry game there, and they go to the ACC title game where they get drilled. Um, but they knew it was going to send them to the Orange Bowl too, where they also lost. So they ended up nine and five. But it got them to nine and three. And in that moment, he went nuts. The sideline was oh, he going nuts. Gone nuts. They but, were ten and two, or two and ten, his first year. Right. And watching that, I thought, boy, you—that is the Broncos' exact reaction to that goal line stand at Boise State. And I think that's what these celebrations come down to. If you feel like it's the odds are, I mean, if it, if you're in the middle of a rivalry, then you don't buy anything. But the odds are most most fans watching a game, if it looks genuine, they're going to be into it. It's really the coach celebration on the sideline is no different than the end zone celebration by players. When it's scripted, you start to get pushback, unless it's really funny and it makes it. But when it's just a guy getting to the end zone and it's just genuine emotion cutting loose, yeah, people love that. You know, If anything, I think coaches, and Belichick would come to mind, um, you know, what should be, if you do something that should not be genuine, and, and Belichick doesn't really seem to celebrate much of anything, it's like, it's a touchdown. You're up by three scores. Come on. Something. Anything. Something. Yeah, but no coach does anything that isn't genuine. No one. Ever. <clears throat> you don't think sometimes they're over-the-top tough guy? You don't think inside Belichick's no. thinking, yeah! Or you really think his pulse doesn't even budge? No, I think they're, the celebrations in the end zone is scripted. I get that. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Obviously, I don't want to see something that, you know, they rehearsed it for 20 hours right. or whatever. That's ridiculous. It's not a, I go to watch you play football, not to dance. Uh, but if it's player related that's just natural fine uh, but I don't think coaches do anything that isn't natural 
they, they're they're natural in what they do. Their reactions are in the moment because they don't know what's going to happen. A player knows that if he's a receiver or a ball carrier, that camera. he has a chance to score. So that's why he's practiced it. But the coaches, they don't know what's going to happen in the given next play. So they're out there doing what they do, whatever comes to you. Uh, Bronco, I had... I had a coach on BYU staff say, you know, he didn't really care necessarily what he did on the sideline as much, but he wished he showed Bronco, this other coach said, he wished Bronco had showed some more emotion in locker rooms and in practices and that, which which was funny because when he was uh, the coordinator, he used to run a long place back when we could go to practice, which seems like it was in the 1800s now. Uh, we could go and you could see him run uh, up to guys and, and he would show emotion during the form of practices and he would try to set the tone. You know, when Croton decided he was going to have February uh, pre-dawn spring practice and they were clearing snow off the field because they didn't have the indoor thing and Bronco was out there, T-shirts and a short, you know, he was or shorts and a T-shirt, he was trying to set a tone of toughness and you know so that worked in that way but i think you have to be true uh this i thought of this because i had a friend who sent who was texting me during the course of the game and said i really wish kalani would stop acting like an adolescent on the sidelines and i got to think about it no i disagree completely because in this situation with no fans you need to generate some of your own emotion and this is this is a defining season for uh, Kalani, and next year might be, and the year after, what have you. Who knows? I mean, he who, you, he may get another job offer and be gone. So I ain't gonna worry about 2022. I'm gonna worry about right now. And this is a defining season. And now that the schedule has been dumbed down, there's even more pressure. Got to win. There's a Can't ton explain. of pressure yeah. on Kalani Sataki this season. Through the fact that they went four nine and two seven and sixes with all sorts of inconsistency last year, and there's a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is you've got a dumbed down schedule. That's obvious, and then also too, the fact that you need to win because of this dumbed down schedule, and you need to have big time victories. And I mean big time. You don't have big time opponents, but you need to have big time victories. And you got one. It's off to a stunning, smashing, roaring start. And he needs to follow it up every time this every every single week that they actually line up. And hopefully it's at least eight, if not more, uh, because there's a ton of pressure on these guys and on, on him, on Kalani. And so he needs to make sure his guys are big time motivated. So him dancing, the players love it. They just they love that stuff. And it, it, it Kalani's an emotional guy. So it's true to who he is. If Bronco started two-stepping or Jeff Grimes started doing it out on the field, eh, then it would be crazy. It would be like, what's going on? But this is who Kalani is. We know that. And he can get fired up. Go look at that uh, first time they played BYU, uh, Utah when he was the coach of BYU and they had those targetings and he got the personal foul call. I mean, he was going berserk for good reason. It seemed like the first one was bogus. So you got to be true to who you are. And I think it's genius. Get these guys fired up. And Grimes referenced that Wisconsin. And I remember sitting up in the press box, and you've got 90,000 red-clad Wisconsin fans in there. And then I saw 
BYU on the sidelines. Guys were like, they were dancing, doing jumping jacks and everything. They were trying to get their guys fired up, and it, and it won the ball game. So it worked then, and it it worked the other night too. You can hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. Uh, watching Kalani uh, show all that enthusiasm is almost as good as not seeing Wit not shake on the sidelines. <laughs> seeing Wit not shake on the sidelines. He, yeah, well, I don't think he's ever done anything close to that. That's not really he, – he's a fire and brimstone kind of guy. You know, uh, two words, two words, like to yell, yeah. go out and make him quit, you know, that type of oh, thing. Oh, the Alabama halftime speech. Yeah, that, that's, yes. that's his way of doing what he does. And, Connecting. And, that, and that's cool. That's yeah. great. That's who he is. Uh, Brady says, I absolutely love it. You know, what do you think, and, and I think fans totally underestimate this, what do you think uh, 16- and 17-year-old high school players think watching? Recruiting is the lifeblood, and that was the only game on TV. So high school kids were watching it. I think it's identifiable. It's something that uh, not, not every kid is like that, but I think it's something that you can relate to and something you can get excited about and something you'd want to be a part of. And so with that in mind, yeah, it's and it's natural. That's the thing about it. Now, you don't want to be buffoonery. And I think, unfortunately for Jim Boylan, that's where he that crossed went. the line into yeah. buffoonery. You know what I mean? Yep. And it became, he almost like he became a, a character of, of himself. And it would just, it just wasn't, it was too stupid. Grabbing the mic worked the first time, and after that, it didn't. Yeah, and going up there and and Go like use. you're in confession, and you've been mean to your wife that week, and nobody wants to hear that. That was awkward. I mean, I, I like Jim Boylan as a person, but nobody wanted to hear that, and you couldn't back it up with wins. You got whatever you do, you got to back it up with wins. And and Bronco, who was non-emotional most of the time. Well, when he's winning 43 games and some ships in the Mountain West, I didn't see anybody really complain all that much. Oh, David Thomas just got sent us a screen grab, and he's got Bronco uh, taking a victory lap after the Hail Mary at Nebraska. Good one, David. He did do that, and he also did the back to Harleen. He did that. Yeah, yeah so there was and, – and those were two literally the last play of the game. Now, I, re- I think they – they did an extra point where they kneeled, but you get the point in the yeah. back to Harleen. And uh, so he did show some emotion on that one, on that. So, but Bronco, that's it's not who he was. And you got to stay true to who you are. And and, and then you got to win, too. It wasn't like Lavelle was we've dancing got, up a We've storm. got that right here. Case tweeted at us, how do you rip Bronco and love Lavelle? Both were emotionless 90% of the time on the sideline. Yeah, it's just Lavelle's because... thing was clapping. He had this, he'd raise his arms up high and this big exaggerated clap. And so you could, I think as a player, you could turn around and see him and like, yep, he liked that. Well, but, you know what it was. It had nothing to do with on the field. It was all off the field. Lavelle had every crowd at all times, in the palm of his hand. <laughs> and Bronco is awkward in a lot yeah. of times. He was not comfortable. You know, he had the tense laugh uh, uh, yeah. when people interrupted him. Yeah. Uh, you, somebody 
there was a uh, an offensive lineman who he said weighed three fifteen, and the guy uh, thought he weighed three ten. Were we sitting next to each other when that happened? I, I remember don't being there. Now, but yeah, it was I awkward. Being there. Oh, like, you're, you're, he's there making a speech on recruiting day yeah. in front of the boosters, your people in your room, and a- after that, they stopped having us in there. Yeah. He met with the crowd first, and then came to us. Yeah. So, because it was awkward. It didn't work. And Bronco didn't like that. He didn't like, you You corrected me by five friggin' pounds. <laughs> Water weight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was making a point that this yeah. player had bulked up, and, and somebody thought it was appropriate to to talk over him. It like, was not. you got to be kidding me. It was not appropriate. He's head coach. Let him go. But, and oh, the, the funny thing about Bronco, though, is away from cameras and whatnot, he liked to give you crap. Now, he got awfully comfortable with me, mm-hmm. and he gave me crap. The pirate costume line always cracked me up. Yeah, go ahead. You were, it was Halloween. And did you start it, or did he? Oh, I think the watchdog wanted me to do a goofy story on what are you going to be for Halloween. <laughs> Pirates, that was good. <laughs> It's such a non, it's so against brand for Bronco to all of a sudden be talking pirate costumes. <laughs> right. But that makes it hilarious. It's a totally dry sense of humor, but it was funny. I, I wore a shirt that was colorful. It was reflective of Hawaiian shirt. And what they had the facility that they have now. And we're all standing in that little conference area when you walk in. And he was coming down the hallway. And the whole way down the hallway, he's just riding me about this shirt. So it's you know it's something that if he if he liked you, he and he felt comfortable with you, he could do that. And I saw him do that to former players back when we used to be downstairs and be there at the end of practice, and he'd come out. So he just for whatever reason he didn't project that persona. In public settings, he was very clinical, very uh, just matter of fact, I guess. So whereas Lavelle Edwards could crack a joke with the best of them. Always funny. Yeah. Yeah, he always had a line, no matter what it was. Always had a line, and his demeanor in which he delivered it was really good, too. And then when he did the radio show with... uh... With Mac and Scotty G, then the public really saw it. Because then he could really cut loose. He didn't have to be the boss. And he could just say whatever. And so those those shows just went crazy. But I actually think Kalani doing what he did against Navy is shrewd. Because you've got no fans. And having traveled many times over with BYU and Utah, and Utah's would has grown immensely over the years, when you're in an away stadium and you're doing great things, your visiting crowd really becomes noticeable. And that can fire you up big time in that way. Well, they didn't have that. Now, it turns out they didn't need it by the middle of the second quarter. (laughs) Everybody knew. But they didn't know that going in. So go ahead and do it, man. And do it against Army. I don't know what Army's going to do, what kind of crowd. And they, would for, BYU fans even be allowed to be a part of the crowd if they have a crowd? Yeah, my guess is no. Now, you never know how things will change in another week and a half. That feels, you know, 
a month and a half now. That's what it feels like. Uh, but for their opener, they the they didn't they had cadets in there. Basically, they had students. Uh, but they didn't have anyone from the community in there. So everybody was in there with fatigues. They were all masked up, and they were all spread out. There was, like, literally one guy sitting every, I don't know what it was, 15 feet or whatever. And so they had, uh, I think it was 12% capacity or something. Um, but there was noise and energy in the stadium. You know, that was the thing Jeff Grimes told us when he was on, is he noticed it during warm-ups, that it was just so quiet. And in the game, you don't notice it, but at halftime, he noticed it again. Um, but there, but at least there will be noise, you know. And if you're the visiting team, you will at least you will quiet the noise down, you know. If you make a big play and score a touchdown, it'll get quiet. And as you said, which I think is another insight that is particularly uh, pertinent, only game on television. You're considering BYU. Well, if you're considering BYU, BYU is hoping you're considering other schools because that means you're good. Right, you want you're gonna have several. options, yeah. right? And so you see this man yucking it up, having a good time with his guys. Who wants to go to a place where I was watching the other night uh, on the Pac-12 Network, and they had the greatest coaches in school history. They went through all of them, mm-hmm. and they and they come to ASU, and of course it's going to be Frank Cush. And they got multiple ex-players, Danny White there and all the, a couple of the guys, uh, Mike Haynes in the Pro Football of Fame. I hated playing for him. Hated every second of it. Blah, 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 blah. Well, who wants that? <laughs> right. <laughs> we had a long time ago, we had uh, Ty Wesley, um, kid who uh, played basketball down in Utah County in high school. I think he was at Provo. And he went up to Utah State. And we were asking him about Stu Morrill. And he was like, well, which Stu Morrill? This Stu Morrill who recruited me was funny and thoughtful. And I got to practice and said, who's this guy? (laughs) He's yelling at us. He's on every detail. (laughs) Don't do it that way. Do it this way. What happened to the guy who recruited me? So in the recruiting process, that kind of stuff really matters. And Stu knew it. And there he was on television, yucking it up, having a great time. I mean, this is the team right now. Unquestioned, you cannot argue. You cannot argue this. You are the best team in the West. <laughs> the only team playing west of El Paso. You're one and oh. Capitalize on it. Why can't you? Why can't you use this? Who's to say that this could not be beneficial more than you anticipated? Maybe it's not. But who's to say that it can't be? Well, I think it can be beneficial if for no other reason than you're going to sign a recruiting class and these are going to be the most recent games they watched. So cash in on that, right? And you're going to have the, used to be February and now December's the date. And so whatever they see in September, October, November, they're going to make the decision. You know, If I'm Utah, I try to find a way to get out of next year's game too. And on that note, DJ and PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, including the NBA playoffs, a couple trends becoming clearly visible. We will get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. It is time for all the stuff you missed during this show. Welcome on in, slackers. It's 9.30 in the morning. Let's get you up to speed. It's brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. PK, we talked NBA playoffs earlier in the show. The Lakers beat the Rockets, and you can't put it on Westbrook. He shot the ball well. He stayed aggressive. He didn't shy away from the moment, but they got very little out of the bench. The Lakers got a lot out of their bench, and Rondo, playoff Rondo, he hit he hit a three in that game in the fourth quarter. He was perfectly defended. He's shooting a fadeaway three. He's got to like fling a little extra arm, just kind of put it up there high. And sure enough, he swishes it. And it's like you that's why people say it's a make or miss league. You do everything right. You make him take the lowest um, the lowest percentage shot possible. But if he still makes it at a critical part in the game, you're sunk. And he did, and they were. That was part of what the run that pushed the lead to 10 and, and ended what looked like it was going to be a dramatic game for three quarters, and Lakers took all the drama out of it in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. He swished it? He did. i got to admit, I found myself rooting against the Lakers. Yeah, because <laughs> this isn't the right way to build a team. Just go out and buy the best free agents. Now, did the Clippers bother you because they did the same thing? Is this just the L.A. way now that the Clippers have competent ownership? Uh, the Clippers are the perpetual underdog, so no, it doesn't bother me because of the fact they are the perpetual underdog, uh, and it would get under Larry the Lakers' skin immensely if the Clippers were to win it all. True story. And who doesn't want to see that? That's just all sorts <laughs> of fun. Yeah, mad Larry the Laker, irritated Larry the Laker is best Larry the Laker. Oh, yeah, he gets obscene on Twitter, man. I've seen him go a few times. It's like, man, he didn't get any pot roast tonight. Ma didn't bring it down into the uh, into the basement tonight. And he just had the saltines he had down there, maybe a can of chili on a hot plate. That I'm tired it. of the Lakers winning. They didn't really do anything to deserve this. And yet the Lakers and Clippers are both up two games to one. And I think that there's a fair number of forward-looking fans who think the Clippers are going to do what the Lakers did going forward. And it just makes it harder for the, the people who aren't in glamour cities and don't have the warm weather and Hollywood and South Beach and all of that, uh, great. Now the Clippers know what they're doing. Clippers, Lakers in the Western Finals. It's not a done deal, but what would you suggest to the Rockets after watching them lose Game 3? What do they have to do to beat the Lakers? Is it, what's the adjustment to be made? Well, man, they're so small. And you've got two premier big players. I consider LeBron as a big man, even though he handles the ball as well as anybody, right? So, And obviously Anthony Davis is very tall. So you are at such a disadvantage, and you cannot let somebody like Rondo do his thing because I wonder, you know, would they have been able to win that game? I think Rondo had 15, which for what they've been getting is... Rondo ended up with 21 points and 9 assists. Yeah. Uh, what was it in the fourth quarter, though? Uh, I'll have to look that up, but yeah. it was a big number. He had a good fourth quarter. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Okay. And so with that in mind, you just you can't have that because those other two guys are so good and you're so small. How do you defend them? I mean, you, basically, if you wanted, there's two things that could happen. Is that you could post AD virtually every time. And probably something good is going to happen. Or LeBron can just find his way to the basket. He did. That was how he started the game. Yeah. 
came right out, took it right at the hoop, and like, you're not going to stop this all I night. I don't know that you defend that. And I guess that, you know, the, you don't let the, the other guys, Kuzma and Rondo, are the two guys most likely. You try to really, really keep them in check, and then you have to make sure you're hitting your threes. So if you're outscoring them three to two, but it's a monumental task. If the Lakers play consistently like they did in game four, it's like, forget it. It, it, Certainly against the Rockets. Maybe it's a different story against the Clippers. The Clippers are a little longer, a little, uh, you know, they've got some, they've got some big time athletes on that, on that roster. So that might be different, but we're talking about Houston. We're not talking about the Clippers. So on paper, if the Lakers do what they do, I don't see there's any way how they lose. You're coming around to my way of thinking. I think I was valuing the Rockets, though. I was valuing you more. Uh, Agreed. Well, I always thought, I was telling you early on, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, I don't know what will happen. Now the Bucks are out. Um, But Lakers, Clippers, in the Western Conference Final, I didn't think there was a big gap between the Lakers, and, or do I right now, I think there's a big gap between the Lakers and the Clippers and the rest of the West. There's some other very good teams in the West. We know who they are. Um, but there is a gap. And I think in the playoffs, when you can play your stars bigger minutes and your bench depth doesn't you know, matter as much and stars matter more because you can leave them out there for 40 minutes, you can literally cut your bench rotation in half instead of having to fill in 16 minutes when the star sits. You only got to fill in eight. Um, you know, those stars become way more important. And the two guys who are playing right now in this league who know what it takes to cha- win a championship and be the guy are on the Lakers and Clippers. So advantage to everyone else, even Harden, is trying to figure out. There's two things that happen. You're right about, you know, Rondo and defending the Lakers. But if the Rockets are going to win this, either they got to get something out of their bench. Austin Rivers has been shut out two games in a row. In the game they won, he had 10 points in 16 minutes. Now he's got no points in 18 minutes combined over the last two games. You need something out of the bench. Um, last night, Jeff Green was the only guy who scored. I think they only had one guy score in the previous game off the bench, too. So either either they do find a way to go kind of against this playoff norm and they get more out of their bench, or Harden's got to go off. Now, he had 33 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. Uh, he didn't have a bad game. But... We also know he's capable of going for 50, and we know he's capable of being 8 for 12 from 3. And I don't know how you sustain that, and I don't think he can sustain it and do it three more times. But if they're going to win another game or two, more than three, I think either their bench or Harden, because they don't know, given their size disadvantage, that they can defend that much better. But I've thought for a long time we were heading towards Lakers-Clippers, and now they're both up 2-1. And it feels to me like we're headed towards Lakers Clippers more than ever. Yeah, but if Eric Gordon has a better game, they're in that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, but I just don't know that the Rockets have an in to win three out of four now against the Lakers, which is what they're going to have to do. Um, it, but I also think you're right that some of these advantages that the Lakers have against the Rockets, they won't have in the Clippers series. That'll be a different deal. Right. You know, we'll have well, it's to, about matchups, too. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's the NBA. Clippers are playing tonight. They're up 2-1 on the Nuggets and the same deal. I can see the Nuggets winning another game in the series, uh, but I can't see them winning three. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard can have, uh, can have a bad night and only score 13 points or whatever, and you can lose a game. And that, that can happen, but it's, it's not going to happen three more times, I wouldn't think. So, 
All right, so other things we talked about. We had uh, Jeff Grimes on. Uh, no, he didn't see 55-3 to three coming. He thought they'd play well. And he didn't think the, uh, all the distractions and disruptions over the summer and all that, he didn't think it was going to have a big effect because they had, a, they had a veteran team, and he thinks that paid off in a big way. And even though he didn't expect it to happen, when he has to explain why it happened, that's a big piece of the puzzle. One thing I disagreed with him, uh, I would try to establish a running identity. If it's there, it's the best, simplest, easiest way to win. He did say stay balanced and all that. And, um, I, and I think that was out of offensive coordinator, coaching, cliche manual. What do I want to say that's going to get back to my players? So well, I'm going to say this. what you're supposed to say. We right. want to have balance. But, Why? But the truth is, watch how he calls plays, and if they run the ball in the first play and get eight yards – there's a pretty good chance they're going to run the ball in the second and play. He acknowledged that, and yeah. he'd be a blithering idiot, right, not to do that. But now, and I guess that if I'm Army or whomever, I go, like, guys, if we don't stop the run, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> yeah, they're not. Why would they throw it? What's the point of throwing right. it? There is zero point of throwing it. And if we allow backs to top two backs to average eight and seven yards a carry, well, we're screwed. Yep. But yep. if if I'm BYU, I go every game right now, at least the next game anyway, and try to establish it. And and if you can't take it away, well, tough luck for you. We're going to go back there and we're going to win that ball game on another uh, Saturday afternoon, glorious fall afternoon, and we're just going to do what we do. And that that would be if they repeat. Now I, I'm not going to go 55 to three. You know, I don't know that I'll ever. If they win that. by three or four touchdowns, and they do the if they dominate like they did against Navy, irregardless of the score, but you know the complexion of the game, you can see it, and everybody who knows anything about football could see that that was going to be a whitewash after we got into it a little bit. That this will be the best exposure BYU's ever received back to back. Well, the Tennessee game and the USC game had good time slots on good networks, but the difference is, uh, you know, there were it was a full Saturday of games, and there weren't a lot of good games, and that's why they were in the time slots on the networks. You know, it was I think five o'clock yeah, on ESPN we're still for a week Tennessee. Away then from yeah. the SC game getting going next week, right? I'm yeah, the SEC. I mean. So there just are so few games to watch. Uh, with that, did you see the uh, the Baylor Louisiana Tech game is canceled because Louisiana Tech had an outbreak? And it was supposed to be on Big Fox, so they're sliding uh, and a game over from FS1. And I guess if you live in that part of the country, you're going to want to watch, but I think they're moving the Kansas State game in there. And why do you want to watch that? I mean, they're not playing anybody. Kansas State against who? Who are you talking about? Um, that's the thing. It's such a nobody. I can't even remember. who. Oh, it's Arkansas State. Do you really want to watch Kansas State and Arkansas State? I definitely want to watch hey, Arkansas PK's State. PK's been to Jonesboro. I, I've been to their campus I know you have, times. But you don't want to watch that game I've for three hours. I've sat in their stadium. You don't want to watch that game for three hours. ASU? That ASU. Not your ASU. <laughs> your grandmother-in-law's ASU. That's why you were in Jonesboro. We all know the backstory. <laughs> Many times. Well, she had some money. That's why I was in Jonesboro. <laughs> <laughs> Kansas State and Arkansas State. <laughs> okay. Let, let's be honest here. The only reason why I went is because there was some inheritance to be had. I mean, let's call it like it is. I love the woman dearly. But you wouldn't have gone? 
Your wife says, I want to go see my grandma. And you would have said, go by yourself. You would no, not. No, I know. But <laughs> you would have gone. I, I'm not sure. You're being the said, tough guy for fun. She ever said five words to me. Oh, really? Yeah. She was like the dog that wasn't sure about the guest. <laughs> she was still evaluating you. <laughs> yeah. I'm Keeping that eye on, on you. One. After all those years. No, actually, I had enormous respect for the woman. And when she died, we canceled the vacation because I was a pallbearer. And we were doing the show then. And I had told you that uh, I would have traveled around the world to represent at her funeral for what she had meant to her family. I mean, you talk about salt-of-the-earth lady uh, from the south, moved when they migrated north. Uh, she was born in Tennessee, migrated north for work, and that's how they ended up, my mother-in-law being raised in Detroit, and how I, uh, they, they have that Detroit background, and then later in life moved back down obviously, to the south, to, to Arkansas, but was a sassy southerner. Um, she must have been a fish out of water in Detroit. I didn't know her in Detroit, but <laughs> but she was a sassy southerner. And uh, they did settle in Jonesboro, which is where Arkansas State is, and I've become a fan of Arkansas State. I, I, I have multiple ASU paraphernalia. Now, I don't smoke when I wear them, but I have multiple <laughs> ASU so yeah, I would I would watch that game a little bit. You dismiss it completely. I do. You're the one. Go get him, PK. I think there'll be more than one. Yeah, That's where they're having them on TV. Two or three. They're having them on TV because they have no other options. They could have moved the West Virginia Eastern Kentucky game, but they didn't. Well, they that stayed on FS1. Okay. They do have other. You just tell me they don't have other options, and then you said they could have done another option. Yeah, right. They could have. So either they don't have options or they do have options. They don't have any good options. Well, I I like the way, and you, you've always idolized Craig Bolerjack, and you just scoffed at his school. If Kansas State were playing somebody else, that'd be fine. But they're playing Arkansas State. You watched San Diego State and Cal Poly? I didn't, thank goodness. Why? You were working, I bet. Uh, Yeah, and in that era, they weren't on TV. Well, now they've got their own network. (laughs) All right, that's some of what we talked about. We talked a little NFL today, too. We had on, uh, with the NFL kicking off tomorrow night, we had Andy Benoit on from uh, NFL Analyst. He was on for uh, betonline.ag. The Chiefs, to repeat, the popular pick, the gamblers plunking money down. They believe, uh, I find it hard to believe the Ravens have the second best odds. Why? Because Are you talking to AFC or, or NFL? Overall, overall. In both cases, they're second best in the AFC, but they're they're second best overall as well. Uh, the Chiefs are six to one. The Ravens are thirteen to two, which is essentially six and a half to one. And then it's uh, Saints and Niners at ten to one. The Bucks at twelve to one. The Cowboys at fourteen to one. The Seahawks at sixteen to one. The next five teams are all NFC teams. And of those five, and I know you like Seattle, and I see why they're in there. The one that doesn't fit to me is the Cowboys because, like the Ravens, they've shown they got a playoff problem. And how are they going to win three in a row, or possibly four in a row, to win it all? I just well, you take the next step. I would. I have more faith in the Ravens' ability to take the next step than I do the Cowboys. 
Really? I yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Well, at least you got a young quarterback and he's figuring it out. And two games isn't everything. You know, it's not. Are, are we going to hold every other quarterback to that? Well, you you didn't win it the first two years. And the thing is, it's not that they didn't win it. They didn't win a game. You know. Well, yeah, With, but they, that, this guy's the MVP. If it was an MVP, yes. Yeah. And I just think in Dallas, there's a organizational thing going on there, and they'll muck it up. Now I know they got a new coach, and maybe he'll set a new tone. But I think the owner sets the tone, and I don't know that the coach can overcome that. And I think, well, he has overcome that. I mean, there's there's no question that the Cowboys coach has overcome Jerry Jones many times over, actually. Uh, so you may not know to win it all. Yes, he owned the team, and they won three Super Bowls. Oh yes. yeah, but he wasn't—he wasn't Jerry Jones. He's got a different. That's when he fired Jimmy Johnson, and, and that they won that without crew, him. Yeah, they did, and that crew won. <laughs> and since then, how many playoff games have they won? I don't know if Jerry Jones has changed. I don't know Jerry Jones as well as you do, nor do I care. But uh, as far as Lamar Jackson, he's a running quarterback, so he's going to have to answer to that. Can you can you be a running quarterback and win the Super Bowl? So it's a legitimate question. All right, DJ and PK, it's uh, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. That is what we have been talking about all morning, and the Cowboys have won three playoff games in 25 years. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I don't know whether BYU would have beat Utah or not. No one will ever know that. But all I know is that they're capable of playing extremely well. That's what we saw last night. A team that was darn near flawless. And if they can play like that every week, I think they would give every opponent, even their original schedule, a really good game. Absolutely, because they're good up front on both sides of the ball. Can you imagine watching that offensive line that we saw play last night for BYU going up against an inexperienced Experienced yet, I'm sure, talented defensive line for Utah. It would have been a battle, oh, it man. Been it would have been awesome. And that defensive yeah, line for I, BYU I, try to stop Utah's run? Yeah, it would have been great. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Even as a Utes fan, I want one of those tickets. I am so desperate to go see a football game. Give me a ticket. Time for your feedback. Who wants to be part of the 6,000 at BYU's home opener? September 26th against Troy, 815 on ESPN. Well, there's one guy, PK. One down, 5,999 to go. Give me a ticket to a ball game. (laughs) Sing it. Uh, This is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi 5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. The people, Wayne in. Whoa, easy. Uh, Mrs. Inked Cougar says, absolutely, I want some of those 6,000 tickets. And if I'm not able to get tickets, we're going to be tailgating outside with our crew. I like it. At Inked Cougar. Oh, Inked Cougar, yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, well, that's his wife, Mrs. Inked Cougar. Planning, Cougar yeah. planning for the tailgate. Oh, that would that'd be fun. You know, I've watched uh, the Phillies. They uh, have some games when they play at their stadium. And out beyond left field, you see people gather. I've seen people gather uh, those rooftop places with the Cubs. Yep. And I think Atlanta, the new ballpark, uh, the Omni Hotel, you can sit up there and look into the stadium. 
Probably uh, San Diego, too. I haven't seen it, but I know I've been to that stadium a number of times, and they've got some hotels out there. So, so you can see from the Omni, you can see part of the stadium. I was down there. I actually stayed in that hotel, and uh, you can see part of it. You you can't really see the, I think the uh, third, I'd have to look. I think I took a photo. I The third baseline, not so good, but you can definitely see right field, so you can see part of it. And then in center field, they have the park at the park, and I think that's outside the... Mm-hmm. Stadium that you could go there and and you could probably see you know seventy percent of the field from there. Well, they've got people who hang out there. Yeah, and during during the games, and Braves have a good team. So, yeah, that that would be some that would be fun to go down there. And tailgating is always fun. I mean, it's just when is it not fun, right? So you can go and do that situation there. I got on the Pac-12 network and I'm watching Utah storm the field three times. Nice. <laughs> they keep giving penalties. <laughs> What a bizarre ending that was. We got a tweet here from Kelly who says, I'll buy lunch if you get me a seat. Well, it'd be dinner. It's an 8-15 game, but I get your point. A meal. It have to be day of game. Oh, we're tailgating. Come on. Could be could buy you lunch tomorrow if you get him a ticket. Ooh, I don't have to wait till the twenty sixth. No, there was no. Why do you 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 always impose barriers and obstacles to things? You drive me nuts. You love it, man. I hate you. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, we got I a saw dead cam. That is. We got a we got a photo sent in here. Um, Fourteen inches of snow in Manila. From this storm. Philippines? The Philippines? Manila, Utah. Where's that? Flaming Gorge. That's up Flaming Gorge, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Daggett County. Hello. You went to Manila. I spent a lot of time in the low Uintas, but not much time up there. Yeah. It's not even fall yet, and yet they have 14 inches of snow. Awful. Yeah, and then we'll have to hear you guys. We're in a drought. DJ and PK, we are all done. And coming up next, Scotty and Hans, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.